Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. You can also get us anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or the whole, the whole gamut of wherever you get your podcasts. You just search the Rob O'Donnell Show. You should be able to find it. It's, not, it's 510 here at the station, 91 degrees and mostly sunny outside. Just, just to close the circle on the cocaine found in the White House, um, you, you know, in D.C., mere possession of cocaine is, is basically almost just a violation at this point, though a lot of places in America. It's, it's not the amount or the fact of the cocaine. It's the fact of where it was, where it was found, inside the White House, how it got there, how it got put there. Now, reading it, there are – it's a checkpoint where people who work at the White House, usually after hours – this was found on a Sunday evening – couldn't bring people in, and they keep their cell phones in these little cubbies there and give them a tour of the White House. You can't bring your cell phone in. You can't take pictures of the West Wing you know, and such like that. So it's basically a secure area to keep your cell phone. If they had it in their pocket and there was a baggie connected to it you know, with the summer sweat and such, you know, it gets put in there by accident and dropped in. However it got there, it, the amount of drugs, the type of drugs this day and age does matter because of fentanyl. And there could be a deadly sub- substance there that could harm you know, anyone around it, including the Secret Service agents, the president, or anybody else. But it's really not the, the amount and the mere simple possession of narcotics. It's about where it was found. And uh, you know, like I said, if, if they want to know who it is, they could most likely find out who it is. If not, they have the information already. But just to close the circle there, it's not about the drugs themselves and the simple possession. You know, why go through this big investigation for a simple mere possession where somebody basically would get a $200 fine and probably no jail time or charges dismissed altogether? It's not the amount of substance. It's not the type of substance. It's where it was found. That makes the issue there. Well, back here home in Pennsylvania, it seems, uh, again, the Pennsylvania budget is late, June 30th is the deadline for our budget. Yep, June 30th. So again, Pennsylvania operates without a budget, and uh, it's it's not the same, you know, GOP section of legislature versus the governor or the House against the Senate. This is more of a, a Democratic House against the Democratic Democrat um, governor. And it's all surrounded on the school voucher program that Governor Josh Shapiro has uh, has really become a proponent behind. Uh, he was attacked by the teachers union in Pennsylvania for doing so. And it seems to be a hard line now um, where the Senate, the, the, the Republican-controlled Senate and the governor have kind of agreed on an outline for a budget – and it's the House playing the hard line, the, the Democrat-run House. And it's, it's based on that line in the sand is about this school voucher program. And what's going on now is the House is trying to reel in the governor. But now the Senate says that we made a lot of concessions to the governor in order for him to get his school voucher program. And if that's off the table, if there's things off the table, then we want some of the things we gave back, um, back. You know, they want those concessions that they made back if things aren't going to go the way they were agreed upon with the governor. 
And I, I've always one of one of the things I truly, to my core, dislike about the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is these budget impasses that happen time and time again. And there'll there'll be a, a point where government employees, legislators, their staffs, and such, you know, will stop getting paid, but they get retroactive pay. And, and I think. And I understand the Pennsylvania Constitution would need to be changed for that. Again, this is just my personal belief. Your job is to have a budget on time. That would be June 30th. It's not a surprise. It's not an immediate deadline. It's a deadline you have a year in advance knowledge of. And I understand our Constitution says that they have to be paid. There's, there's no way you know, for them to be docked their pay or take their pay away from them. But I, I really think that needs to be revisited. And I know it's just my big wish that'll never happen, but I get it. But I, I think all Pennsylvania elected officials on the state level and their senior staff members should forfeit their pay from June 30th, if that's the day, so starting July 1st, and any money for every day that they're supposed to earn gets reimbursed to the general fund. Do you know how on time... A budget would be if you did that, if we did that here in Pennsylvania. Do you know how they would make sure they have it? And if it wasn't for them, if the legislators, the senators and the House members and the governor and the lieutenant governor and all of them said, hey, you know, we can deal with that for a little bit. We could we can go two weeks without pay. Well, can their staffs, can their senior staffs at both their offices in Harrisburg and their offices in their districts? deal with that I, I think it would put a tremendous hardship on them and I think they'd be in their senators in their representatives office every day saying hey we need to get paid we need to do something here and that pressure there would, would maybe give them a little more effort to get it up because just having the job of doing the budget doesn't seem to be doing it because every time we turn around it seems that a budget impasse is happening and we go months without a budget and it doesn't seem to be a big deal. Well, we need to make it a big deal because school, schools who a lot of schools in our area, Northeast Pennsylvania, increase their budget is, budgets tremendously. Some of them for a second year in a row. Now that's all put on hold because they don't know what the state budget's going to be. So any budget that's been approved by a school board in our area is preliminary without the state numbers to make it, to, to solidify it. But why is it continually acceptable to have senators, state senators and state legislatures who continually refuse to do their jobs and have a budget on time and at a, at a minimum get paid retroactively? It's just unacceptable. No one else could not do their job for weeks or months and when they finally get around to doing it, get weeks of retro pay, get months of retro pay. And I understand the state constitution doesn't allow us docking them their salary, doesn't allow them to not get paid. But maybe that should re- be revisited. And, uh, you know, I really want your thoughts on it. 570-883-0098. It's, uh, it's, um, it's sad that it's been the norm. We've had budget impasses more than we've had on-time budgets in the past at least two decades that I've been here.
Let's go to the phones now. We have uh, Angelo from Madisonville on Criminals. Angelo, it was great to see you at this Grantastic Spectacular. Yeah, great to see you, buddy. I'll tell you what, what a great time. What a, what a display. I, you know what, Rob? I, I've been listening to the show, and, and what really bothers me is, is you know, the laws for gun control and, and everything we got going in the United States, they're great, re, really good laws. Now, a criminal that can't get a gun, mental illness or whatever they are, they can't get a gun. They're going to get a gun somewhere or someplace. And, and you know, they're, they're not, they don't care that they can't get a gun legally. They're going to go down the street and try to buy a gun. But, you know, what? You know, like, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I was there's only three states I wasn't in. I wasn't in. California, Washington, and Oregon, and I met all kinds of people, all kinds of race, colors, and creeds, a lot of good people in the United States. And, and, and you know what? This government that we have right now, and it goes on both sides of the aisle, they got to they gotta, uh, start funding the police, getting the equipment we need, or they need, and, 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 you know, defunding police. When I first heard that, I said, are they crazy? defund police police protects us who are you going to call who am i going to call i mean i could call my son or a couple of my my relatives but who am i going to call i'm going to call the pennsylvania state police when i need help and and as far as uh, uh mental illness you know some people you they, they're good actors they should go to hollywood and become an actor because they could hide a lot you don't know if they're they're mental ill or not you know and that's that's something that our our government should should fund also to help some of these people that need mental me, mental help. It, it, it's ridiculous. They, they're sending money all over the all over this world, and we need help right here in our country. I I'll tell you what I I could I could get mentally irregular talking about it. But I won't because it's your show. You know what I mean, buddy? No, it's it's, I'm sorry. it's it's incredible, and and the amount of money that's thrown at these things. And, and again, a lot of these, especially the non-governmental organization and stuff that deal with it and get these funds and these grants to do these programs, it's all about hiring their directors, their executive directors, having their staff, making sure they have all their social workers, and they're doing little for the problems that are out there. I mean, look at all the money that's thrown at homelessness. I mean, San Diego just opened a. a a protected homeless tent encampment that's under police guard so it's safe and the, no one's going to mess with them and they have all brand new tents and stuff that they need to live outside. They're throwing billions of dollars at homelessness. They're throwing billions of dollars at mental illness, but they're really not doing anything to, to treat any of the problems. There's, there you go. That's the, that's the problem right there. You could, you could throw money all over the place. But throw it in the right direction, and, and and put it in to help these people. It, it kills me. I was down in Scranton there, and 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 there was a guy there, and and I know him, and and I won't mention his name. He's a veteran. He's living underneath the bridge, man. It, it broke my heart. I, I said, listen, you got to come with me. You know, you come with me. I'm gonna buy you something to eat. He said, man, I, I know you a long time. I'm okay. Don't worry about me. I said, you want to ride to the VA? You just call me. It, 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 it's heartbreaking. I, I never seen nothing like this in my whole entire life. And then to hear these news, this news about they're finding this and they're finding that in the White House, 
people are getting in. Like, who's doing these jobs? Uh, If I didn't do a good job on the railroad, I would get fired. They're not going to dock me. They're going to fire me. You know what I'm saying? Me and Dave Lucarine put all the ties and all the plates and all the switches on the Nicholson Bridge. Me and another, me, Dave, Lucarine, God rest his soul, and another guy, if we didn't do that right, you realize the the devastation if that train came off that bridge? You know, like, uh, I don't understand it. I, I, I just don't understand well, it. Well, Andrew, Honestly, we might God, send you down to Washington to put some rails around the White House to get that, that train righted on the right tracks. But <laughs> Where you go, send me. I'll go. We're going to have you to leave it there, Angelo. It was good to see you and good to hear from you, my friend. Okay, take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Take care. It's uh, 523 here at WILK. It's time for traffic and weather. All right. Thanks, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Penteladata Internet. 81 northbound, backed up at Waverly due to construction. You might be sitting there quite a while. Coming southbound from Lenox to Waverly, that's pretty slow go as well. Through the Scranton area, you're dipping below 40 miles per hour on 81 southbound. And then when you hit music, you are crawling, going around 15 miles per hour to Avoca. We have a backup uh, heading on to Route 6 East. Just a little bit, slight delays. Done uh, more to the troop area due to road work happening there and out on 80 West in the Bloomsburg area. That is all jammed up due to construction. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, clear, low 67. Tomorrow, sunny with a chance of afternoon pop-up thunderstorms, high 90. Friday, partly sunny, a better chance for showers and thunderstorms in the afternoons, high 87. Saturday, partly sunny, showers and thunderstorms, high 87 as well. It's 91 degrees and mostly sunny here at 524 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 527 here at the station. Well, it looks like uh, the UP, uh, UPS, United Postal, uh, United Parcel Service, and the Teamsters have uh, ended marathon talks without a deal to avoid a strike. A marathon negotiating session between UPS and the Teamsters Union ended early Wednesday morning with both sides accusing each other of walking away from the table. There are no signs of a contract settlement in sight. The current contract expires the end of this month, July 31st, which means 340,000 UPS workers could go on strike on August 1st. The two sides have been trying to reach a deal to stop uh, nervous UPS customers from starting to move their business to rival delivery services, including uh, the U.S. Postal Service and the non-union FedEx. Despite a strike deadline being almost four weeks away, some customers are likely to sign long-term deals with UPS competitors by the end of this week. This is a negative development on the, the lack of a deal. If they don't have a handshake this week, both UPS and the Teamsters will pay the price. They're saying that during the last strike at UPS, it was in 1997, the company was able to recapture 90% of its business once the strike ended 
He said that might be. Uh, he said that it might be able to only recover seventy percent of the business if a strike happens this time because of the greater number of alternatives. FedEx did not have a lower cost ground service in 1997, and the post postal service was not set up to handle as many package deliveries. Amazon also had its own delivery service now. So uh, it looks like uh, there was no deal as of this morning, and they the longer this goes on, they will, uh, like you said, they delivery originators will look to uh, mitigate their losses if UPS does go on strike by signing contracts with other delivery organizations or moving business to other areas. And the last time they strike, like I said, 1997, they were able to gain 90%, which means they lost 10% of their business then. If they're expecting them to lose maybe 30% of the business now, that could be devastating to UPS, especially with the things that I just uh, rolled off to you where Amazon has their own delivery service now. You have uh, the Postal Service that's uh, you know trying to get back into the stream of things and other alternatives besides UPS. But uh, neither side has publicly detailed the economic offer that UPS made or what the Teamsters are demanding. UPS said that it's already agreed on one key union demand is to eliminate a two-tier wage scale that was put in place during the current five-year contract to help UPS expand its delivery service to a six-day week, up from five days. Now those being paid at a lower pay scale would be converted to regular full-time pay scale with a Tuesday to Saturday work schedule, the company said. The union points to record profits that UPS recorded in recent years, which have nearly doubled during the five-year life of the contract, from adjusted income of $6.3 billion in 2018 to $11.3 billion last year. But UPS profit, revenue, and volumes fell in the first quarter compared to a year earlier as the company warned it, seeing signs of a slowdown in the economy that could hit shipments. Well, hopefully it's repaired. Hopefully uh, the Teamsters and UPS could uh, come to an agreement because it uh, will no doubt affect everyone who receives a package in America. You know, I get them all. I get FedEx at my house. I get UPS, the post office, and Amazon. But uh, I think UPS is the most that, that comes to my house with packages and deliveries. So I'm sure it will affect everyone just the same. So hopefully they can come to an agreement and work things out. It's 532 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after this. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 536 here at the station, 91 degrees and sunny. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phone. We have uh, L from Wayne County on term limits. L. Hi, Rob. How are you doing today? Good, good. Good. Um, well, listen, um, now, as far as I know, there's never been term law limits for, like, the government. Is that correct? Uh, th- there are some places. In in the United States? Yeah, I know the New York mayor, is, is, I believe it's two term limits. So mm-hmm. certain aspects of government, you know, president has term limits. Okay. Um, 
Well, like like um, Pelosi, she was in so long, and yeah, the, the Senate, the Senate, and our House of Representatives at the the U.S. House of Representatives in the United States Senate do not have term limits. Okay, all right. Well, do you think they could get around that? Like, if if we tried to, to make term limits, you think they can get around that because of the um, Age Discrimination Act? No, I just don't think you'll ever get them to vote themselves out of office in a, a limited amount of time. They'd have to be forced to. Um, I mean, our, our our House of Representatives and Senate in, on the national level w- would have to vote for that. Okay. Or we'd have to have a constitutional convention. Um, but still, I they're 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 not gonna. As, as many people say, yeah, I would love term limits. As many people even legislators say yes term limits would be a good thing or running on term limits it would be near now i'm not saying impossible but near impossible to to get that through well how come there's like like you said new york mayor how come they got it passed what did they do to get it passed and what did they do to get it passed for a teacher some teachers uh some states it's 70 mandatory or that's what it used to be well, i don't an, know what an age limit uh, an age limit to where you age out of something. I know our federal judges have it. I know that cer- certain systems have it. I know the police department in New York City has it. That's different than a term limit. That's that's an age limit. That would be a different process. Oh, okay. Yeah, a term limit is how many terms you can serve. I know in New York City, I think you can serve two terms. You know, in president, you can serve two terms as the president, and then you're you're done. Um, you know, that that's, was written into the establishment of that position. Uh, to change that, you know, it's a process. It's not impossible, but again, do you think we're really going to get a hundred United States senators to vote and say they can only serve eight years in office or twelve years in office, and representatives do the same? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Okay, I, I was looking at age instead of term. I, I was uh, thinking of it in those. So, you know, as age instead of term. That's yeah, what I was and, and a lot of organizations, like I said, federal judges have an age limit to where they, they're done. Our military has an age limit to where you're done. Our, most police departments, uh, I shouldn't say most, a lot of police departments have age limits to where you're done. Um, and then that goes by, you know, how that's written into the development of that position. Um, you know, I know there's age limits to become president. I know you have to be a certain age to become a senator. You have to be a certain age to become a representative. And that differs based in, on, on the Constitution. So, like right. I said, in order to get a, a constitutional amendment through or, uh, or have the legislators vote for themselves to change it and be it found constitutional by you know, the courts, you know, that, it would be a process. It would be a long, right. arduous process that, that would probably we'll never see in our lifetime that happening. Yeah, <laughs> especially in my lifetime because I'm older than you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bob, thanks a lot. All right, Al, you have a great night. Thank you. You too, thank you. I got a text message in saying the Postal Service does not have the infrastructure to take on all the packages from the competitors. The carriers are going around now spending the entire day delivering packages and not even being able to get the mail out. Uh, yeah, I get it. I mean, they're they're overwhelmed. Who is? I I thankfully got my a regular carrier now. I was getting mail maybe once a week, um, 
you know, where it's been hard for them to get people, especially in the rural routes. And, uh, you know, I think when I first started here, I was going to the, the post office in Archibald, my main post office, to say something. They said, well, we can hold your mail or uh, and you can come pick it up or, or, you know, take the chances with it coming out. But we're trying. We had part-time people, not part-time people, people from other areas trying to cover your rural route. They don't really know the route. It's winter. But you know, we've had some pretty steady service up there recently, which has been which has been good, and it's good to see. Instead of them using their private vehicles, they have their uh, they have the uh, post office vehicles now. And uh, somebody just pointed out, Mayor Michael Bloomberg got out three terms in New York City. Yes, they had an emergency exception for him because of the nine uh, eleven situation. They didn't want to transition to power while they were still recovering from that. Um, so that was one of the, the rare chances of that, but it's normally two terms. It's uh, 5.42 here at WILK. Is it time for traffic and weather? I think so. <laughs> oh, Lord, is today over yet? Can it be the weekend? Oh, I, you I know, hear you. That was a tease on a Tuesday, you know. This traffic update is brought to you by Fire Tree Conawago. Struggling with addiction? Fire tree. Are you Conawago. asking me? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> now you have me coughing. <clears throat> Fire tree Conawago. <laughs> oh gosh, help me! All right, should I start over? This Pentella Data Internet Traffic Update is brought to you by Fire Tree Conawago. Struggling with addiction? Fire Tree Conawago is here. Visit Fire Tree. Dot com. Well, we have 81 southbound all jammed up from Scranton to Pittston. That is due to some hazard in the road. There's also a backup 81 northbound at Waverly due to construction. North River Street in Wilkesbury is jammed up because of construction. And there is a wreck on the Tunkhannock Highway as you exit the Dallas area. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone. WILK traffic. Thank you, Dinky. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, clear, low 67. Tomorrow, sunny with a chance of afternoon pop up thunderstorms, high 90. Friday, partly sunny and better chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon, high 87. Saturday, partly sunny, showers and thunderstorms, high 87. It's. 90 degrees and sunny here at 544 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 548. Just to clarify, New York City mayors can serve two terms, but in 2008, due to the financial crisis, the uh, city council was able to give Michael Bloomberg a third term, so he served third ter- three terms there. Um, and in 2010, the referendum reverting the term limits back to two terms passed overwhelmingly. So it's it's back at two terms now. It was three terms um, for Michael Bloomberg during that financial crisis. He petitioned the city council saying that he was the best to lead the city uh, during the 2008 financial crisis. And they gave him a third term. Uh, other than that, it's two terms for New York City mayors. I just wanted to clarify that. For, for people. Um, speaking of New York City mayors, 
um, Mayor Bill de Blasio and his wife, Charlene McRae, are separating to date other people without moving out or divorcing. So they're still going to live together. They're still going to remain married, but they're going to be free to date other people. And I guess uh, they're after, they've been married for 29 years. And if you recall that Charlene McRae ran the uh, billion-dollar Thrive program that was supposed to, supposed to help the mentally ill and homeless in New York City that was criticized repeatedly for doing nothing more than giving big paychecks to Charlene McRae herself and her friends. Uh, really did not do much to help the community in which she she set out or said she would. And uh, the issues we're seeing in New York City to this day prove that it did little to help. And I know that after they had that uh, Daniel Penny incident on the subway with a person exactly designed for that program, the Thrive program, to help was still out there doing and did nothing to help that or, or take that person off the streets. But it's just a weird dynamic here. Now, uh, before marrying Bill de Blasio 29 years ago, Charlene McRae states that she was a lesbian and she's married 29 years. She has two children with Bill de Blasio. But it's this, it's this, uh, and they had a joint press conference to admit this. But they're saying uh, the failed presidential run put strain in the, in the being the mayor put strain on uh, the relationship but now they're they're the best of friends they're going to still live together but they're going to date other people and do other things and I, I just I don't get that I don't I mean I'm married 28 years um I I just is this acceptable is this I mean I shouldn't say acceptable they could do whatever they want I shouldn't acceptable is a bad word but This is part of the whole destruction of the family unit, that nuclear family that I think our society desperately needs. Now, that doesn't mean that other people, diverse people, are any less. So they have their lives. They should be able to free and to live their lives any way they see fit. But there also shouldn't be that attack on the nuclear family, that attack on the family values, the attack on, on, you know, what a husband and wife means for our communities, you know, a good relationship, building, having children, having successful children, raising those children correctly. I just, you know, I see headlines like this and it's, uh, I, uh, I shrug my shoulders and I just don't get it. All right. If, if you're, if you're falling apart from each other, if, if you, you're not happy with each other, if you know, okay, maybe it's time to move on and get a divorce. Maybe it's time to live somewhere else. But, to live together still, share the same house, but say, hey, we might date and sleep with other people. I, I just, I'm sorry, I, I don't get it. I, I don't plan to get it. I mean, during the press conference, Charlene McRae said, I just want to have fun. McRae, who was living as a lesbian when they met, told the New York Times in a joint interview announcement announcing the split. The couple claimed that the decision came during a heart-to-heart at home about two months ago in which they discussed why they were not lovey-dovey anymore. However, they conceded that the marriage started crumbling years early, especially during the then-mayor's disastrous 2020 run for president. Uh, 
I, I thought it was a distraction, McRae said, of the much-mocked much bid that never came close to succeeding. She said she only stood by de Blasio at the time because the presidential run was not the kind of thing where you can break ranks. That's part of the difficulty of being part of the package. So you're admitting that you're putting on a facade. You're admitting on you were putting on a false aura of yourselves, your relationship, your your marriage to voters just to get votes. I mean, that's what I read there. De Blasio 62 admitted that the description of his widely overambitious aspirations and distraction is kind of true. Point for Charlene, he told the Times, in their nearly three-hour interview at their Brooklyn home, they still plan to share. Now, what, what mind-boggles me is Bill de Blasio and Charlene McCrane, why would the New York Times sit down with them for three hours and, and give them a three-hour interview? Not for nothing, but you're not the mayor anymore. You're not anything anymore. Who cares? I mean, is it really worth three hours of a New York Times to sit there to find out you and your wife are going to have some kind of weird relationship where you're going to be able to bring boyfriends and girlfriends home and sleep in the rooms down the hall from your ex? Oh, not ex. You're you're still husband or wife? I just, I'm sorry. It's one of the things I just don't get. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the traditionalist that just looks at, you know, the values of a husband and wife relationship as something different, but the, the, just the statements they made during this where she only stood by him during the presidential run to, because you can't break ranks, you can't, you have to put up this facade that everything's uh, okay and lovey-dovey as she put it. Um, it just shows how phony they are. It just shows how it has nothing to do with their true values. They could care less. They're pretending. They're making it up as they go along to give you, the public, what they think you want and can handle. If your relationship's over, it's over. You know, who cares? Move on. See somebody else. Move in with someone else. Live with someone else. Don't live with anybody else. I mean, me personally, I'm not doing this again. I don't want nothing to do with that. I'm going to sit on a beach somewhere in Tiki Bar with a drink. None of that for me, but hey, Bill de Blasio, Charlene McRae, you do you. I mean, I think you've taken enough from the taxpayers of New York City to where uh, I'm sure they're all glad to have seen you gone. It's uh, 555 here at WILK News Radio. We'll be back to end the Rob O'Donnell Show in a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Well, that's it for today on this Wednesday, July 5th. Hopefully you guys are a little more with it than I am. I'm just running in slow motion today, it feels like. I'm trying, trying. I mean, hopefully today was my, well, today was my Monday, I guess. And that remote, it was hot. It was hot out there on Monday when we were doing the the remote out there, even under the tent. It was a uh, it was a good time, but you know you deal with what you deal with. But that that one day on, one day off, back a day kind of throws your whole body into a, a swing of things. But um, we'll see what it is. Now, I saw this seeing seeing the type of of rhetoric that there is in politics today. I, I read a, something about the. Signers of the Declaration of Independence, as we celebrated our 247th anniversary, that Benjamin Franklin and, I'm sorry, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson really didn't like each other. Matter of fact, they hated each other. 
So as we see, you know, you, you want to bring up Donald Trump and the rhetoric that he uses a lot and other politicians that they use. Um, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams were both opponents for the presidency at 1800. Jefferson used to say to Adams he was a hideous, hermaphrodical character which has neither the force or firmness of a man nor the gentleness or sensibility of a woman. And John Adams said of Thomas Jefferson, he was a mean-spirited, low-lived fellow, the son of a half-breed Indian squaw, sired by Virginia mulatto father. Um, so you go back to the 1800s, and this was the rhetoric going back and forth then between uh, some of our forefathers. So today is nothing different, is all the said there. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Be safe. You're out with the Rob O'Donnell Show.